This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. Uh, Tiny, how's it going? It's going wonderful, sir. Nice. Do you want to try the guy? I don't know if you had your, I don't know if you had the mic up to you as you started talking. It's it, fine. Okay. Yeah, it's going wonderful. Great, that's great. Yep. Um, uh, what are you doing, April fifteenth, Saturday, April fifteenth? I-, I awkwardly ask. Paying my taxes. Oh, well, you know, you could also pay me a visit. At no, um, uh, that this is my fumbling way to announce that I'm going to be hosting a panel at Indiana Comic Con. What? Yeah, on April fifteenth at six thirty p.m. at. Uh, the in, at the convention center for indiana comic-con eat um, your heart out irs i know right yeah um, <laughs> <I don't> know. <laughs> no the uh, the panel is just gonna be it's a, a one-hour panel about hosting a solo podcast i'm gonna be talking about hosting a solo podcast <laughs> and uh and how you can i don't know get over your mental uh worries about it to do it um I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting. Um, and I want people to be there. And I want people to show up to see me completely screw up. I'll be there, man. Yay! Awesome. I got it in my calendar. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I believe Fekka said that he was going to be there, too. I'm going to hold him to that. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's April 15th, 2017 at 6.30 p.m. Uh, download the Indiana Comic Con app. They have the schedule for everything. Um, on there, but I'm really looking forward to it and I hope to see people there. And, uh, yeah, before we get into the episode though, I have to mention also that we have, uh, our episode sponsor this week again. Um, again, it's Horror Movie Yearbook from the uh, Midwest Podcast Network. You can find them at HM Yearbook on Twitter and at horrormovieyearbook.com. It's a wonderful podcast where they basically go through one year. Um, each episode and they pick uh, three horror movies from that year and then they discuss them and contextualize them to the greater uh, current events and pop culture events of that year. Uh, Their recent episode was 1998, which was a stellar year for horror movies. They reviewed uh, Disturbing Behavior, Urban Legend, and The Faculty. And between each of these reviews, they have like fun little interludes and stuff um, and little games that they do in between them. So it's a really fun podcast. I highly recommend checking it out. Again, that's at HM Yearbook and at HorrorMovieYearbook.com. And also thank you, Horror Movie Yearbook and Midwest Pod- Podcast Network, for sponsoring us this week. And uh, let's see. So this is our 203rd episode, Tiny. We are doing Netflix picks. Totes. Yes. And before we do that, every time, <laughs> I always announce the title before the news. That's okay. Keep people um, on their toes. Yeah. Um, we have a few news things to kind of go through. Um, the first one I kind of want to just throw out here. Um, they announced, uh, Indie PopCon announced that they are going to be doing, uh, podcast awards at this year's Indie PopCon in July. And, uh, I'm thinking maybe we should submit to it. 
maybe totes. when when there's more details there. So, totes McGoats. Yes. Um, I'll have to find an episode where you don't say that. <laughs> Just kidding. Why? Because, uh, hey, yeah. it's good enough for James Earl Jones. It's good enough for me. Well, there you go. Yeah. I don't understand that reference. Really? You don't remember that commercial yeah. where he said that it was like Verizon or something? No, I he's don't like, remember He's that. like reciting text messages. You don't remember that? No. It's I thought hilarious. you were making a... I thought... I thought maybe Darth Vader said that in in one of the Star Wars. How dare you, <laughs> sir? Well, anything's anything's fair game now because he did say that he did have that really goofy pun in Rogue he One. He did have a pun. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Anyway. Um. So we're recording this a week before we release it because uh last week's episode I actually didn't have time to edit it so that's gonna. Anyway, we're recording this a week. The the Tuesday after um, the Super Bowl, I just pause and think about that. Yeah, about what it was. Which, uh, speaking of that, I can no longer see the word Super Bowl and not pronounce it superb owl. Oh, all the time because every time. Yeah, yeah. I almost like posted something like, "What? What is so damn superb about this owl that everyone's <laughs> talking about?" God. But I didn't want to steal credit for your joke. For my joke? Yeah, you came up with that. Did I? Oh, yeah. wow. You came up with that, yeah. Oh. Because I remember when you told me about it, I laughed way too hard. Oh, yeah, that's right. Huh. Yeah. I, to be fair, I think that I think the world had that joke, Oh, really? Too. Okay. I think. I don't well, know. you introduced me to it. I did, so. Well, I, I thought of it, but I didn't. I Anyway. Um, Take credit. Okay, yeah. So I invented the Super Bowl. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Uh, so tiny, you, you watched the Super Bowl. Sure did. I watched what I'm going to bring up for potpourri, um, <laughs> during it. Nice. Um, so, so why don't you talk about some of the things that you went gaga over Hey. or some of the, um, I don't know. I fumbled that. What, what were some of the, any good commercials, any good trailers? I know we were going to talk about, uh, one specific trailer. We can go to that if you want. Yeah, yeah. It was a really good game. First overtime ever for a Super Bowl. Really? Yeah, first oh, one wow. ever. First, first ever overtime. Huh. Uh, largest deficit ever overcome in a Super Bowl. Oh wow! It was a really exciting game. It, it, it genuinely was. Um, nice. so that was good. Yeah, that's always a good thing. Uh, unfortunately, I, I mean, it's a good thing that the that the game was good because the commercials really weren't that great. Really, um, that's a bummer. Yeah, not not much memorable stuff going on. There was a funny one with Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. It's a, a Kia commercial. Commercial. Um, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, yeah, that one was funny. But I mean, there's just not. There wasn't that much memorable stuff really. Huh. Um. One of the tr- the one of the trailers was an extended trailer for the new Pirates of the Caribbean movie, the fifth one. Mm-hmm. Um, they finally showed Jack Sparrow. Whoop de do. Uh, um, is that the fifth one? It's the fifth one. The fifth one. Okay. It actually looks kind of cool. But Does it? I'm not going to hold my breath. I'm. I haven't yeah. seen it since the third one. <clears throat> yeah, I don't blame. I, I, I never saw the fourth one either. So, mm-hmm. um, so there was that. That was memorable, I guess. Uh, and then, but then the, the, st- the trailer that I think everybody lost their shit over was, uh, for the second season of Stranger Things. Yeah. Yeah. That was really awesome. Uh, they started out with like a retro, uh, Lego Mayago commercial. I thought that was so great. It's really awesome. Oh yeah. So cannot wait for that. Same here. And, uh, yeah, they announced that it's going to be released on Halloween. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Nine months. Yeah. <laughs> so... 
it's something something baby i don't know um <laughs> what if i don't i don't know something about if you conceive now you can have a baby that will watch stranger things i don't know jeez oh, i haven't i haven't heard that but that's pretty sad yeah it it is yeah oh i i was just saying that as a stupid joke oh um, yeah people online weren't saying that cuz they're not stupid enough to make that <laughs> dumb joke <laughs> Um, no, but it's coming out in Halloween, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's definitely, obviously, a good Halloween type of a show. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's Stranger Things too. And finally, on a, on a on a sad note, uh, Richard Hatch from Battlestar Galactica. He played Apollo in the original series, and um, uh, Tom Sarek in the uh, remake. Yeah. Um. He actually passed away today. Um. At the time of this recording. Yeah. Obviously, so that's that's pretty sad. Um, I think I mentioned last week that I've been watching, did I mention that on the extended potpourri? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been watching a lot of Battlestar Galactica lately and, uh, and he, I mean, he's a really good presence in it. Yeah. His character is awesome. Yeah. I really, I really like, uh, his character and his character interactions with, with other, other, uh, characters is really great. He has, he has a really great presence there. So, um, yeah, unfortunately he passed away today. Um, February 7th of, yeah, he, he passed away today. So that's sad. So, uh, tiny, any thoughts on Richard Hatch? Yeah, it's a bummer. I mean, he did, I think he made most of his bacon in television. Mm-hmm. He did like tons of television, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not super familiar with his career, but, uh, he was, I think he was just like, a, he was pretty prolific, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And he definitely had a love for Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Um, he wrote, directed, and starred in his own Battlestar Galactica fan film. Wow. Um, back before the before the reboot, um, called uh, the Second Coming, in which he reunited all the surviving original Battlestar Galactica cast members. Damn, so that's pretty cool. He also wrote books in the. Battlestar Galactica Damn. universe. So that's that's really uh that's really nice. I, I like when actors or people in the industry really latch on to one of their roles or right. um and really really own it and really take part in the fandom essentially. Agreed. Yeah. So uh R.I.P. Richard Hatch. Yep. Um so yeah, so this week on the podcast, we are doing another Netflix picks. Uh, last week on the podcast, we picked the movies that we were going to discuss. And uh, Tiny, do you want to go first? I would love to go first. Okay. And to refresh everyone's memory, I picked for him to watch Victoria, um, which I lobbied for that, or I wanted him to see it because um, it was on my top 10 list of uh 2015 and um i was just really enamored enamored with this movie and i was really excited uh for tiny to see it and i wanted him to see it because i knew that he has an affinity for uh the long take yeah <laughs> and uh and that's what the entire the entire the conceit of the movie it's it's one continuous shot throughout it its entire runtime like yeah. it's not like birdman where they make little edits here and there it's one continuous take and uh yeah so i was excited to share that with him i made sure to tell tiny not to read anything not to read the plot description not to read anything at all going as blind as possible and as such we're going to be as non-spoilery as possible in this so tiny what did you think of victoria it was okay 
Nice. It was okay. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> um, the continuous take thing is a, that is a massive achievement. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, the logistics, the logistics of it are just so just like mind bogglingly hard. Like as a director, someone trying to figure that out, that's, mm. and just, you know, I, like I can't even imagine what the actors go through literally just having to say, I mean, that'd be, uh, that's just incredible that, that someone yeah. can do that for uh, more than two hours, continue a performance. That's just really impressive. Right. Um, so it gets tons of points from me uh, in, in that regard. That was, nice. that was really impressive. Um, and hats off to Sebastian Shipper, the director. Um, I, I mean, it was, it was one camera too. Like there's no cuts or anything. Right. It's not like they switched between cameras or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just impressive. His, his vision in that respect. Um, I was just really impressed with that. Um, and then also the story itself, which I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything, but right. the story itself is a really good story. Mm-hmm. Um, just all the aspects of it. I mean, the fact that it takes place, it kind of takes place in one evening, obviously, because, you know, it's one continuous right. take. Um, and just just the, the stakes of it, and and I don't know, it has it has really, it's hard not to, it's hard to talk about without spoiling it, so. Um, yeah. But my, my qualm with it is the fact that I feel like this story does not fit the format. Okay. Because <laughs> the, the huh. story needs, found, you have to have foundation for the story to work. Um, you have to have a foundation of a relationship between two characters. And so you have to show that, but showing it in real time, I think just really drags it out because two, two, it requires two characters to meet each other Mm -hmm. or a set of characters to meet each other really. Um, and then there has to be a bond that's founded in that relation. That relationship has to found a bond if you will mm-hmm. um and you have to do it in real time and you can't just so it's not something you can do in 10 minutes right or 15 minutes so you don't feel like they do, would you would you My say qualm that you is don't, that was drug out so long okay that it was it took them meeting and and the the interactions and the chemistry yes being drug out too long? yes really which okay. it was well done the performances were great mm-hmm. and, and i liked i even liked the dialogue and all that stuff um it was good it, it was just an hour long. Okay. It, it just took way too long before we knew what the story was. I see. Um, and I, I, w- I really lost my patience after about 35 or 40 minutes. I was really? like, w- when is something going to happen? <laughs> um, so that, that really bothered okay. me. And, but I will, I will give the conceit that I don't think there's any way around it. Right. I think that first hour while it's drug out and really long, it has to be because you have to, you have to buy that relationship as a viewer. Mm-hmm. You have to, it has to be well established and you have to understand where the characters are coming from and why they would make the decisions that they do mm-hmm. in the last hour plus of the movie. Okay. So it has to be in there, but I feel like, I feel like this story would have been served better by a movie that was not filmed in one continuous take. Okay. That's, that's my thoughts. I, th- I think mm-hmm. this could have been a super cool movie with, even without the, one continuous take thing. Okay. So did you, when it got to the point where, and, and I understand, I understand where you're coming from. Yes, it is. I mean, it does take a while to get going. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for one, I personally, I was kind of really engaged with 
with what they were, what was going on just because I was kind of gobsmacked by just the, just the, uh, achievement that was unfolding <laughs> mm-hmm. because the entire movie could have been them wandering around getting to know each other. And like, there's a part, um, I'm a little, I'm a little fuzzy on, I didn't get a chance to rewatch it, but there's a part where she's playing the piano. Yeah. That at that moment I was kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of feeling this. This is kind of, kind of sweet, kind of yeah. nice. Um, and then the movie takes a different turn, goes into a, goes into an, a different, uh, direction yes. that I just think that that, uh, it wasn't what I was expecting it to, <laughs> to oh, really? be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you have any, how'd you feel about, about, th- so, okay. You felt that the first half was kind of, kind of slow and, and meandering. Is yeah. that fair to say? Yeah. Okay, did you how did you feel about the last half without going into details? That's where, I mean it took off from there. That the, the mm-hmm. scene you're talking about with the piano, I was a big fan of that too. I thought nice. that was a really beautiful scene. Um and that pulled me back in right at the right time because they had, they had kind of lost my patience up to that point. Um and really there's a there's there's like six main characters in the movie mm-hmm. and so one of the characters meets all the rest and it kind of takes off from there and so but the relationship involves one of the group and kind of our lead meeting each other and forming a relationship. Yeah, and so to meet cute, to meet cute. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the problem is he has his four drunk asshole buddies with him. And <laughs> so the meet cute is kind of extended and drawn out okay. because she's not just meeting him. She's meeting all his friends too. Mm-hmm. And it's like they, they kind of get in the way of the blossoming of their relationship and all that stuff. And so it's kind of, I'm glad they were there and everything. Like, I think it makes sense, but, um, I think that's what really drug it out and made it less, less accessible. Cause the, the, the senior, it's a little bit of an obstruction. It's an obstruction. Yeah. The scene you're talking about with the piano, they're finally alone together in that. And so that's when it really took off for me. I really loved how like charming and like Casanova, like the, Mm -hmm. the male lead was in that, those scenes i was i was that really that that part really pulled me back in yeah because I, I really got to see their chemistry that was really impressive so um but then yeah i'm glad that that moment pulled me in because after that it just takes off and mm-hmm. it's very it's very intense and there's lots of really good camera work getting in and out of cars and i mean mm-hmm. it's just like again the logistics of it are impressive yeah. um so yeah the back half of the movie Loved it. It's not that I hated the first part. It's right, just, right. It's just, just so dragged out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I love the back half of the movie where all the meat is, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, as far as plot anyways. Um, yeah, it was super exciting. I knew that there was going to have to be something extreme <laughs> that happened. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was thinking that there was going to be something uh, very negative or tumultuous or dangerous that was going to happen to the lead. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought maybe these guys were... I don't gonna rob her or right. you know worse. It, let your imagination go where it will. I thought it was mm-hmm. going to be something really bad like that, but I'm I really like the way the direction they took it, and because we're kind of discovering what's happening along with the the lead of the character, the lead of the right story, and so as she figures it out, what's going on? It's I love the way that she reacts to it, mm-hmm. um, and how she how she throws herself into this situation. Um, it's not what I, that's not what I was expecting when I finally figured out what was happening. I was like, wow, she's really doing this. Um, it was, that was a good idea and I think it worked really well. And that's what really 
roped me into the last half. If it were just the last half of the movie <laughs> um, and a shortened 15-minute version of the first hour, I would, I would be really enthusiastic about the movie. I would okay. have absolutely loved it. Um, nice. But so, so yeah, it, in summation, there's a lot of good things to like about the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the performances, the format's impressive, but I just feel like, you know, the story could have been told better with a different format. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's still a good movie though. I, I want people to watch it. I think it's, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I'll watch just about any movie that has a long continuous take in it. Right. It's, it's one of my favorite, <laughs> favorite filming techniques. Mm. I, I think it's cool. So, yeah. yeah, I think I'd give it, um, a seven, seven out of ten. Okay, nice. Um, yeah. One of the things that I kind of thought about after after seeing it, the one time that I saw it, is not only is it impressive in terms of just the fact that they are, it's a two hour and 18 minute long movie and it's all one continuous shot. Yeah. Like, not only is that impressive, but if you think about it, like, to achieve that and the the distance that they go because it's not just it's not like a it's not like they're in one in one setting and they're right. interacting with each other um what they're doing is it's a very kind of um gorilla style filmmaking thing where the mm-hmm. camera is following them so you have like the person operating the camera has to run along with them yeah and if you think about it just like in what's amazing to me is that it's it's I mean, it takes place at night and then it gradually turns into day. Um, and what's amazing to me is that, like, just the thought of, of cre- it boggles the mind. Because if you think of how a film is conventionally made, it's lit. Uh, the scene is set. Everything is, is all set up correctly and, and to, to, the, to the director's specifications. The, the DP fixes the lighting and everything. There's not, I mean they're running around with it. Like they didn't stop to set up like the lighting in certain scenes. And it's just, it's, it's really incredible to me how they could achieve what, what they did the way that they did it. Yeah. uh, Thinking about it, I just counted in my head. I think there's eight locations they film at. That sounds about right. Yeah. There's transit in between all those. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I I agree. It's, it's not, it's, it's the exact opposite of us, of just taking look, taking place in one location. They go to eight different places and it's really, (laughs) Yeah, I was impressed by that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, and I liked the way that, like you, Tiny, I liked the way that the story progressed throughout it in, in that second half. Um, <laughs> it's the first half and second half. They are like night and day. Yeah, they <laughs> are. Enough. Yeah. Um, but it's it's such – it's I, I loved it. I really loved it. Um, so I'm, I'm cool. glad that you saw it and I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Yeah, I might try to revisit it someday to see if I have a different reaction to it. Mm-hmm. You told me not to like, not to look into it at all. Okay, like not to read anything about it. I almost may have enjoyed it more. Oh, really? If I had known like the oh, plot dang. going in, yeah. Huh? Just because I was sitting there, I was like, "Is the I was like, is the whole movie just these two people meeting? Is that what the <laughs> whole? Mo- I wasn't sure, you know. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of uh, a stupid bit from Family Guy where I think it was Family Guy where uh, Peter is in. Peter's in a in a one man show, or he's in the audience of a one man show. Was it Family Guy? I don't know. In, in something, they're like, "Is it just people yelling?" And like, they show like the the playbill, and it says just people yelling. <laughs> and it was people yelling on stage. But that's um, ridiculous. That's so stupid. But anyway, um, yeah. So that's well, that's good. And I've I've heard that they that was the I think they I think they did it. F- 
four times. Really? And that was the third take. Jeez. Yeah. Um, and then in the event that it wouldn't have worked, um, the director uh, filmed, shot their rehearsals conve- con- okay. uh, uh, conventionally. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, That's the right word, right? Yeah. Conventionally. conventionally yeah. yeah. Um, he shot their rehearsals um, conventionally and they, uh, he, he was going to have like uh, in the event that they couldn't nail down the long continuous shot, he was going to edit together the rehearsals to be a conventionally shot movie. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that they pulled it off though. Cause I think that it is an experience that people should check out and it is on Netflix and that's why it is one of our Netflix picks. Yep. They did pull it off. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Four uh, times. Yeah, I think it was four times. I know God. that that was the third take, though. Um, the jeez, I can't imagine. Yeah, oh yeah. Because the movie's over two hours, and so mm-hmm. it's literally a two-hour take. I mean, I right. just, that's just boggles my mind. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So yeah, Victoria, check it out. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so tiny, why don't you bring us into what I watched and stuff? Yeah, I chose for because Matt made the comment last. In our last episode, that he's going to try to be more politically informed in 2017. Yeah, yeah. as scary I'm and terrifying as that is, going to hold you to that. Yeah, no. uh, but but so because of that, I chose for him. Uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Oh, Armando Ian- Armando Iannucci. Iannucci. Yeah, yeah. I chose Armando Iannucci's uh, film In the Loop. Yes, you did. Um, when was the last time you saw this movie? Oh gosh, it was, I really wanted to watch hits for this episode, but I completely did not have time. I was out of town all weekend. Gotcha. Uh, I, I probably watched it in like 2010 or 2011. Okay. After it sure. came out. Yeah. Uh, for those who are unaware, the plot description is a political satire about a group of skeptical American and British operatives attempting to prevent a war between two countries. Um, so yeah, so I watched this and I, re- I really enjoyed it quite a bit um i had an interesting (laughs) interesting slash somewhat stupid experience (laughs) on my part um the movie the movie kind of blew my mind and made me feel like a complete idiot um (laughs) the first 10 minutes i was sitting i was sitting here and i was thinking damn this is really cool it feels like it could be a tv show (laughs) um and then I thought the feel of this really reminds me of Veep. I really need to watch more Veep. <laughs> and then I took the took a moment to look up the movie and everything. And turns out, yes, it is the spinoff of. Uh, I think it's more of a pseudo spinoff of um, Armando Iannucci's um, show, uh, The Thick of It, which also has Peter Capaldi in it, and uh, also Armando. Armand, Armando Iannucci uh, was the creator and showrunner for a while. I believe that he left the he left the show um, of Veep. So, yep. So that made me feel kind of dumb. I totally thought you knew that. I I think in. yeah I I think I knew that it had some connection to a show like yeah in terms of the thick of it right but i just i didn't i had a complete brain fart and then <laughs> while i was looking that up like like after i made this discovery that of the connection between uh in the loop um the thick of it and veep uh in a in a in a Chlum- uh, 
popped up. I think I'm pronouncing her name. Yeah, right. Anne Slimsky. On a, yeah, and I'm just like, of course, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I really enjoyed this movie. It was it the style of it is uh like I said, it reminded me of Veep, obviously. Um it's a very workplace comedy, um handheld camera um, not, not mockumentary style, but just, just close to mockumentary style. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, uh, I, I almost said Christopher Guest, but that's more mockumentary than anything. <laughs> uh, but just the, just the handheld camera style of it is just very much kind of you're there with, with them, um, throughout it. It's kind of a fly on the wall kind of thing. And the comedy in it is really, is really strong. I really, I really liked it. Um, Peter Capaldi, of course, kind of, was the was the star of the show yeah. there. Um he's fantastic as the kind of uh very um uh, vulgar yeah um crass crass vulgar intimidating yeah um i believe he's the uh communications director i think right um but he he's phenomenal in it um absolutely phenomenal and yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't really know how, what else to really say about yeah. it. Um, it's just the way that the movie kind of, uh, lives in itself. Um, yeah. it's very, it has a very improvised style to it. I believe that, um, a lot of it was improvised. Uh-huh. Um, and you can kind of feel that not, not in a negative way. It's just very natural. And the back and forths are very much, uh, personality driven and, uh, and very much driven by, you know, interpersonal relationships rather than, you know, script necessities right. and everything. And, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's really good. It's really solid. I, I liked it. And it made, it made me really want to check out the thick of it and get back into veep. Which the thick of it is on Hulu and Veep is on Amazon Prime and right. HBO Go. Right. Um, yeah, Tiny. Do you have any any thoughts on it from from when you saw it? Yeah, I, I I just remember thinking how hard it is to do, how hard it is to film satire. Mm-hmm. It's so difficult to do, and there are so few examples of it working really well. Uh, and this is this is absolutely one of the examples of it working really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it it also has it has kind of some similar themes or feel to um the movie Wag the Dog. Oh um, yeah. Which is kind of about you know, politicians bureaucracies and like, you know, political egos and, and stuff like that. It's um it ha- it has some similar themes to that. So that was a really, you know, a really well received movie as well. Um yeah, I, I remember Liking uh, Tom Hollander as the is he the prime minister? Um, uh, or is he like an MP or something? I think he I think he is an MP or okay. Yeah, he's he's not the uh, he's not the prime. I don't believe he's the prime minister. I think he's okay. High level. Person. Gotcha. But yeah, he's kind of like dumb, isn't he? Or he's like <laughs> he just doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Yeah, basically, he has these really brilliantly written yeah um gaffes essentially so right. Like, the kind of the whole impetus of the whole movie is that he uh he's on a radio talk show i think and he's talking about uh he's asked about like a potential war with the middle east and he says that it's unforeseeable yeah. and that kicks off a whole like thing of like they're that they're saying that it's you know it's 
unforeseeable is the same as inevitable. <laughs> yeah. And he just digs himself into a deeper hole. There's a great scene where uh where he is kind of bombarded by press outside of like, yes. as yeah, and he, he makes it such a great analogy where he says, um uh, we have to climb the mountain of conflict, <laughs> which <laughs> is terrible. And like he mixes up a he mixes up a metaphor so like so terribly, and that's like the soundbite that comes out of it. It's oh, God. yeah, he is he was really fantastic at yeah. playing the kind of bumbling uh, idiot essentially. <laughs> I've always been a fan of Tom Hollander. He's kind of a character actor, but mm-hmm. he's great. Yeah, I need to see it again. I, I should have watched it for this episode, but I just literally didn't have time. So, gotcha. Cool. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I did. And I'm. Have you watched any of uh, the Thick of It or Veep? I haven't watched the Thick of It. I watched about a. I watched a handful of episodes of Veep. Okay. And it was good, mm-hmm. but it's satire is one of those things you have to be in the right frame of mind to watch it and that's true you, you know it's a comedy so you're like oh it's just a half hour comedy just turn on and watch it you know it's, but it's not like it's not like turning on friends or the big bang theory or something it's right it's it's intelligent you know <laughs> you have to have your mind switched on for it yeah you know? so it's a little more involved right and so i yeah. think for that reason i watched like the first some of the first season mm-hmm. and at the time i was i was watching so much television that right. i decided to put it on the back burner but yeah, that's kind of how I am. Like I, yeah. that's a show that I really need to need to sit down and just just marathon, mm-hmm. um, for sure. But I'll, I'll get to that eventually. I'm still gotcha. doing. Uh, oh, what was it? Uh, Battlestar Galactica, The Next Generation. I'm gonna and, try to sit uh, down stuff. and watch uh, watch some of the or watch the episodes of. Um, the twelfth Doctor, Pete Capaldi. Yeah, they're, I, on, they're on Amazon Prime. I need to, mm-hmm. I need to get on there and watch them. I haven't watched any of them yet. Yeah, same here. I actually have a funny anecdote about that. And I, I mean, uh, to wrap up in the loop. Um, also, James Gandolfini, I yeah. thought was fantastic. He was good. Um, yeah, I miss that guy. He was kind of like a lighthearted. Like he's a general. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of like lighthearted or kind of like not taking it very seriously, if I remember correctly. Right, and and people don't necessarily take him that seriously right um it's 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 pretty solid he he was really good in it and so to kind of wrap up in the loop uh to loop it around back to that hey uh, um uh no i i i liked it quite a bit and it makes me very interested to see more of uh ianucci's stuff nice yep and uh and it's it's a great um like getting my getting my feet warm wait <laughs> dipping my feet <laughs> dipping my feet into kind of political satire um and and fun stuff like that because I, I really like i need to watch veep and not satire but i, I want to get back into west wing nice um yeah so yeah so that's 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 our netflix picks nice. uh we're kind of i don't know we're kind of kind of a little light on this one um for that but that that's fine and before we go to potpourri here is uh another check-in from mike um for his pine tree perfume segment um he mike is our co-host is on sabbatical from the podcast (laughs) but he likes to check in every now and then with a uh, movie that he watches in the theater on his movie night so here is his latest for mike's pine tree perfume listen up this will only take a second hey matt hey tiny uh it's mike I'm super tired, I'm driving home, uh, and I just got out of the movie. 
Want a little hubby on the pine tree perfume there, kid? Sir, it's a taxi cab air freshener. Great, you've pinpointed it. Step two is washing it off. Hey, obsessive viewer listeners, this is Mike. You can find me on Twitter at I am Mike White. Matt, Tiny, how you guys doing? Uh, so I just wanted to give you guys another installment of uh, Pine Tree Potpourri. Uh, I'm in my car. I'm coming home from a movie night with my friend Jake, and we just saw The Bye-Bye Man. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. Uh, more than, I think more than anything, it was frustrating. Um, I I like a good boogeyman in a movie, and so just the idea of the bye-bye man as this boogeyman figure uh, kind of intrigued me. I remember seeing the trailers uh, last October, um, and I thought it was kind of interesting. The the imagery of, of the boogeyman, of the bye-bye man in the movie I thought was interesting, uh, but the movie just simply did not pull it off. Uh, the plot was was incomprehensible um the 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 biggest file aside from just poor poor acting uh was the the lack of mythology or explanation for the mythology um i don't quite understand the don't think it don't say it and there's a moment where our main protagonist has to is like being questioned by the police and he's not allowed to say the bye-bye man but he can vaguely explain that something happened but he can't quite explain why something happened and just dance around the name the bye-bye man otherwise he'll spread the bye-bye man it's just it's just idiotic idiotic plot uh poor poor script writing uh awful execution and a i i highly highly recommend that you avoid the bye-bye man at all costs believe what you've heard uh, and when it comes to the movie, The Bye-Bye Man, just make sure that you don't say it, don't see it, and don't think it. Nice talking to you guys. This is Mike. You can find me on Twitter. I am Mike White. Talk to you later, guys. And thank you, Mike, for uh, calling in with that. It's much appreciated, and we miss you dearly. <laughs> All right, and now we're going to go ahead and go into our potpourri section, which, if you're a first-time listener, potpourri is a section of the podcast where we talk about whatever we want, as long as it smells good, anything that we're watching, anything we're looking forward to, uh, just anything in general that uh, has been on our movie or TV addled minds. Um, Tiny, I actually have a couple things, and you have one? Yes, I have two. Cool. I have one oh. super brief one and one... One, like, full potpourri. Okay. Do you want to get us kicked off with your super brief one? Sure, yeah. Uh, it is it is super brief. Uh, the other day I was um, I was at my in-law's house, and they have a giant, like, 60-inch 4K television. Nice. Very and nice. it's, like, top of the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just flipping through the channels, and I saw The Abyss. Oh, nice. Um, was on, it was being shown on one of the movie channels. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I don't know what version it, it was a theatrical version because there's, there's the director's cut in theatrical. Mm-hmm. It was theatrical, but it was in HD and like 4K. And nice. I've never seen The Abyss in HD because there's no Blu ray of it. Um, and the DVD version I have is like full screen. Yeah. And so that's, I haven't watched it in years for that reason. Um, and it just, it just, I know I've talked about it before on the podcast, but, Damn it! Give us a Blu-ray of that freaking movie right. and remaster it already. It's so worthy of a of a Blu-ray edition. Mm-hmm. Um, Paige had never seen it before, mm-hmm. and so she was really uh, kind of 
dragged in by some of the okay. pretty more intense scenes of that movie. Nice. So yeah, it was it was just like an awesome experience. It just kind of reignited my passion for that movie. Nice. And I just freaking anyone out there, please get us a Blu-ray of that damn movie. It's so unbelievable that that hasn't happened. I don't yeah. understand it. I don't get it either. Especially for someone as um, on the cutting edge of technology with his filmmaking, mm-hmm. James Cameron does not. Like, I don't understand what the holdup is. Like, he has the resources to just, you know, get that made, get that done. Absolutely. I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it either. Um, It is, it is his least famous work, pretty much. But still, we have have Blu-rays of every other thing he's done. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's That, and we're also waiting for True Lies. Oh, really? There's no Blu-ray of True Lies? Correct. Yep. I'm fine with that. Um, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's a fun movie, but Um, it's pretty stupid. (laughs) Right. But it's just, it's weird, because I... It's it's weird. I don't yeah. know. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to mention so that cool. really quickly. I I really want to see that. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I need to revisit the Abyss. Um, yeah, I did really like that movie. Cool. Um, all right. So for my first potpourri, I'm going to bring up uh, Hidden Figures. Oh, okay. The Oscar nominee for best picture and best supporting actress and i think a couple other ones i can't remember um hidden figures is i'm gonna read the plot description real quick hidden figures is the story of a team of african-american women mathematicians who served a vital role vital role in nasa during the early years of the u.s space program um so when i first saw the trailer for hidden figures i wasn't uh too interested in it to be honest it just kind of seemed a little um even though it dealt with you know the space program and, and a true story about the space program and an undertold story of the space program. It kind of seemed a little, um, overly sentimental in a, in a weird way. Um, and it just, it just didn't seem like it was really my kind of something that I would enjoy really. Um, so, and then I saw it because oddly enough, I mean, it got nominated for best picture. I didn't, I honestly thought that it had just a January release. I didn't know that it had like a oh, okay. Oscar push in, in late 2016. Gotcha. Um, and so I saw it and honestly, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I am enamored with the thought of, you know, the space program and you know manned space flight yeah um that is something that i'm i'm just i have a huge interest in and and uh seeing this story told was very interesting to me and held my interest a lot and it's a story that you don't really ever hear about yeah um and also just it depicts um some of the uh egregious horrifying things from back then um that it's just it's really it's really weird to see um because it's i mean it's just it's it's jarring to see and i i don't know it just like uh, yeah i don't know it's it's really unsettling to think uh you know how relatively recent that was um and how despicable um it was but um the movie the movie itself is is pretty good it's it's solid i mean it's kind of it's about what you'd expect from from uh from the tra- from seeing the trailer um there's not really much that that would really stand out to you if i mean you see the trailer it's kind of you know exactly what you're getting into i will say that the depiction of the space 
uh, or the the actual like rocket boosts and and the um, the space flight sequences are pretty well done. I, I thought that those were those looked really good. Okay. Um, yeah, and uh, overall, I thought that it was pretty pretty good. Um, it's a best picture nominee. I I don't see it. I, I oh, really. I I thought that it was just. I thought it was pretty. I thought it was quite good, but not best picture nominee worthy. Not exceptional. Yeah, yeah. It didn't. Not really much of it. It didn't really stand out in a way. Um, for me, mm-hmm. it it didn't really stand out. Gotcha. Um, also, uh, Pharrell Williams did a lot of the music for it, uh-huh. which I, I like Pharrell. I, I do. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It it's weird because his music in the movie is kind of it's he does it's not i mean he has music he has songs that he wrote for the movie that is in, that are inserted into the movie at times like kind of it's sometimes it's in lieu of like an actual score and it was just kind of distracting to me really? yeah i thought that it didn't really i don't know there there were some things that it, sometimes where i was just like i like the music but it it didn't really fit with what was going on and so much of with a conventional score in a movie like it conveys so much tone and everything that like that that can that can really enhance the experience but then when we have what we have here is a pharrell williams song that sounds like a pharrell williams song Mm -hmm. that is put into put into sequences that would have benefited more with a traditional score Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, that sounds a little uh, out of left field, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was still pretty good. I enjoyed it. It. I probably won't buy it or anything, but um, I do appreciate it and think that it was a a well told story and uh, a story that should be should be seen. Cool. It's a big year for Janelle Monae. She was in this and Moonlight. Oh yes, yeah, right. I never even really heard of her. I. I I looked at her IMDb. She's mm-hmm. uh, known for her music, I guess. Okay. She's on the soundtrack of a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I know her from something, but I can't place what it is. Yeah. Um, but she... She's pretty hot. <laughs> she is. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's funny because uh, also... I'm going to butcher his name. Um, oh, Marshal Ali. Marshal Ali. Yeah, he is in. He's also in this and Moonlight, of course. Right, right. Yeah. Cool. So, big year for both of them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's that's my first potpourri. Um. It was it was it was okay. Cool. It was pretty good. Uh, Tiny, what's your next and last? Uh, my next and last is Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Uh, it has a super short synopsis on IMDb. <laughs> a journalist recounts her wartime coverage in Afghanistan. Okay. Um, I, I like this movie. Uh, it was, it wasn't, um, it wasn't, you know, like a super quirky female lead comedy movie. Like I thought it was going to be, it was, it mm-hmm. was more of a, it was definitely a comedy, but it was more of a, um, kind of a serious look at, you know, what it's like to be a, um, a, a war journalist really mm-hmm. uh, that's that's more of, of what it is and kind of how you know this character was sort of kind of in in corporate malaise working for a, a news network and just kind of kind of bored with their job and just decided to take up take up a position of a uh, a war journalist basically um mm-hmm. and so she kind of gets addicted to the 
the adrenaline rush of reporting from a war zone uh, and all that stuff. And, and, you know, she learns about what it's like, the consequences of doing that and the risk involved with it and all the politics involved of trying to operate out of a war zone. Um, It's, it's, it's a serious look at it with some comedy thrown in, I would say. Um, I, I, I just appreciate what they tried to do with the movie because I feel like war journalism is kind of a underrepresented concept or story potential for storytelling, I think. Um, okay. because you know, you're just, you're embedded with, with soldiers in a war. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's like super ballsy to do that, I think. And right. it's pretty cool. The stories that these people can come back with. Um, the rest of the cast is phenomenal. The lead is Tina Fey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked her in this role. Again, it wasn't just some stupid comedy or, um, it was a little bit more of a serious turn for her and I, I enjoyed her performance. Uh, it also has Margot Roby, Martin Freeman, Alfred Molina is really funny in this. Um, and Billy Bob Thornton plays kind of the lead, the lead Marine, uh, general that she deals with, that she gets embedded with. I really liked Billy Bob Thornton in this. Um, as well as some other, some other quality performances thrown in there. But yeah, it, it was a really, it was just kind of a, a fun story. I mean, it wasn't anything super exceptional. Um, it was, a, it, I think, it, I feel the feeling it was a little bit overproduced. Uh, the the writer, um, Robert Carlock, I think he probably had something else in mind. I think he wanted probably a little more gritty kind of movie, but I I, I think they, they served the story pretty well. Um, if I'm not mistaken, isn't Robert Carlock her producing writing partner for like 30 Rock and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Uh, let's see. Yeah, he's known for SNL. I'm bringing yeah. up Thirty Rock. Yep. I, uh, yay. He's not familiar. He <laughs> was a co-writer on the movie as well. Gotcha. Um, the book. Okay, it's based on a book by Kim Barker. The mm-hmm. book is The Taliban Shuffle, Strange Days in Afghanistan and Pakistan. Hmm. So I bet the book's really good. So, but yeah, I, you know, I enjoyed it. It's, um, like I said, it's not an exceptional, it's not an exceptional movie. I'm sure there's people who weren't that crazy about it, but I just like the concept of it's kind of broken down into the years that she spends in Afghanistan as, mm-hmm. as a war reporter and how it changes her and how it's like this whole other universe that you kind of have to adjust and adapt to. Um, yeah, I, and I enjoyed it. Martin Freeman was great too. Alfred Molina was hilarious. Um, Margot Robbie playing a role that wasn't just about her being super hot. <laughs> so that was nice. Nice. Um, Blue Bob Thornton again was great. So yeah, it's, there's fun performances and I think it's a, a cool idea for a movie. I enjoyed it. Um, I haven't really heard much about the reception to it. It's got a 6.6 rating on IMDb, which is okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I recommend, I recommend it. I thought it was fun. Um, it's free on Amazon Prime if you have that. So okay, yep, nice. I believe it's also available on Hulu as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, so that's cool. So I'll kind of round us out for potpourri um, with um, American Crime Story: The People versus O.J. Simpson. Nice. Yes. So this is a series. I'll read the plot description, of course. Uh, it's an anthology series centered around some of history's most famous criminals, including O.J. Simpson. Um, so season one is all about the O.J. Simpson trial. Uh, season two is going to be about uh, Hurricane Katrina. Okay. Um, yeah, it's from Ryan Murphy, who I... I mean, I flat out... I just... I don't like the guy's work. Yeah. Um, I really don't. I was... Uh, 
Um, oh, he's actually from Indianapolis. Interesting. <laughs> Still don't care about him. Um, was never into Glee. Couldn't get into Nip Tuck. And then American Horror Story, I've talked about ad nauseum. I couldn't get into it. And I actually recently, um, I don't believe that I talked about this on the podcast, but I, or maybe I did, but I just recently tried to watch, uh, tried to get back into American Horror Story. And I tried to watch, I tried to watch the season, uh, in the hotel, like American Horror Story Hotel. And I mean, I turned it off after 10 minutes because <laughs> it's like, I just, I've, I've gotten it down to the point that the reason I don't like American Horror Story, even though I love the concept of it, like it's an anthology series, each season tells a story that's all based around a, a theme. And every time they announce a theme, I think that's, that could be cool. Um, like they had the hotel, they had, um, uh, about the lost colony of Roanoke recently. Huh. I'm just like this, these are really interesting concepts, Yeah, but I turned off hotel after 10 minutes because th- they don't, they don't understand subtlety. <laughs> like <laughs> nothing about that show is subtle at all. Like from the moment that the, like from the opening scene of it, like we're just told through the way the camera moves and the sound of, of the score to, be creeped out by the hotel. There's, there's nothing, there's no build up to it. It's, it's all just mood. And, and it reminds, reminds me of that scene in forgetting Sarah Marshall when, uh, when, uh, when Jason Siegel's talking, uh, he's drunk at the bar in Hawaii and he's talking about how, uh, the music for the NCIS or CSI type show that he does is all about mood and, and cre- it's not creative. Right. And like, that's kind of how I feel about the tone of American horror story. So I like to get, uh, to actually get to my potpourri. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wasn't too eager to check out the people versus OJ Simpson. Honestly. Um, I just, I didn't even know that it came on to Netflix um, until I received a, a text from frequent guest Robert Feckus, he said two episodes into people versus OJ, I'm pretty hooked. And, uh, it's funny. Um, because I, I mean, I just thought like, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a shot. So I went ahead and watched the entire, uh, season, nice. um, over the weekend. And I gotta say this show was really good. Nice. Yeah. Um, Tiny, I, I'll, I'm gonna throw a question to you. I uh, when I took a sociology class w- uh, once, the teacher um, introduced the. I don't remember what what, what her point was or anything, but um, now that I think about it, it may have may have actually been intro to media. But anyway, um, what's your like earliest TV memory? Holy crap! Yeah. Oh man, I. I mean. Probably, probably uh, Sesame Street or Reading Rainbow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That totally didn't go the way I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, it's interesting because in this class that I took, they asked like, "What's what's everyone's first first TV memory?" And for the most part, everyone listed a a news event, like a, a historical okay. event. Gotcha. Like, um, I think I I think I actually picked um, the Bronco Chase. Oh really? Yeah, and uh, I mean, others picked like the Oklahoma City bombing stuff like that. Um, it's just it's interesting because to kind of lead that into um, my review, 
it's interesting because I like I only remember pieces of it from my childhood, like what all happened. Um, and I remember my parents talking about it um, and discussing it and everything because it was obviously a huge, huge event. And to see it kind of played out um, chronologically and played out throughout its entirety, throughout a 10 episode season of TV, it's really fascinating. And I like, I watched it throughout the weekend. I would have had it finished. I would have had it finished probably like three or four hours before I actually finished it. But throughout it, I was like pausing it and I was looking up like YouTube videos of like the actual (laughs) things that happened. Wow. Um, it is just, it's amazing just how much I forgot about it. Like the, the Mark Furman tapes, and a, a lot of other stuff. But what I really liked about this show is that it, it doesn't outright say, like it doesn't, it doesn't present the case as like with the thesis statement of this is how OJ Simpson got away with murder or this is why OJ Simpson was, um, was found not guilty. It's, well, I mean, technically that's, that's what the whole show is about, but, um, it's, it's not like, uh, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, tell its narrative from the perspective of OJ is guilty. OJ is innocent. It, it basically unfolds in a really engaging way because the first like 20 minutes of the first episode is all pretty much devoted to showing us how airtight of a case they had against OJ Simpson. Right. And it is so fascinating because like that got me really hooked. Cause you know, obviously you know that he was found not guilty and it's just like the whole time, like every time that they were showing something in those first 20 minutes, I was thinking, how, how did this happen? <laughs> um, and it's just really fascinating cause it's not, it's not portrayed as, as clearly he did it. It's just like, here's the evidence. Here's what happened at the trial. Here's how we got to that. And it doesn't really go one way or the other with the narrative. Um, and it's really fascinating. It's really satisfying because there are some things about it uh, that uh, are pretty pretty good. Um, so while they don't really come down one way or the other about whether or not he's guilty or innocent, they do have some really interesting stuff throughout it. Like uh, David Schwimmer plays uh, Robert Kardashian, and he has an arc throughout it that's really really uh really kind of gripping that he is kind of the he's kind of the conscience of the um of the defense like he's he's the like old time friend of OJ Simpson who's kind of throughout the course of the show he's kind of realizing like oh shit I think OJ did this <laughs> <laughs> and uh it's really like there's one scene in particular that um is just is really kind of powerful to be honest. It's a really great scene between him and another character. It's after the DNA evidence is shown in in the trial and it's just this really great scene where he's where he's just kind of uh where where Kardashian is kind of taking in like the information that's been told in the courtroom and he's kind of just he's at this mental um crossroads where he's like did did he do it did he not do it it's it's really great the way that it's conveyed in the show um and then there are some things that i i just i took issue with they're kind of minor but it's it's kind of silly um this is a a narrative a narrative show it's completely you know it's a fictionalized account Mm -hmm. um 
it's not filmed like a mockumentary or it's not a documentary style thing. However, I wish that they would have taken the time to just to just show like a title card for each character in the first episode. Not because it was hard to keep them apart to tell them apart or anything. It's because the writing was like the dialogue was like really bad. It was like it was like uh anytime they introduce a character, it was like they're like one of the opening scenes is they're at the crime scene, the, the police are at the crime scene, and then uh they're like, Oh wow, this is this is uh this is Nicole Brown Simpson, this is O. J. Simpson's wife. Does we we need to notify O. J. Simpson. Does anyone know where he lives? And then the camera just swoops across the room to to a guy there and then he's like, I'm Detective Mark Furman. I know where he lives. Just like <laughs> Okay, come on. And there's like I, I think I think uh David Schwimmer's introduction was I'm I'm Robert Kardashian. Oh my it's gosh. Like, it's like you can like just just show them on it. Like it's right. you can make it you can make it you can have that little flourish of having the names on it to right. introduce the characters. It's a lot less clumsy. Yeah, it's it was so goofy. And uh and I mean there are other goofy parts there like um throughout it like the some of the dialogue is just really 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 terrible um throughout the throughout the run of the show really, but it it wasn't too much of a distraction. Like there are things like um uh like OJ is is freaking out. Who OJ is played by Cuba Gooding Jr. and I think he did a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. Um, after the first few episodes, he is kind of just. I mean, he's almost like just a background character. Yeah, because it's all about Marsha Clark and and the defense and um, in in there's even an episode episode about the jurors, hmm. which was really cool. Um, but like there's a there's a moment kind of early on, like before the Bronco chase, where OJ is freaking out threatening to kill himself (laughs) and they're in kardashian's house and he says uh oj he says juice please don't do this please don't please don't kill your please don't kill yourself in my daughter's room don't kill yourself in kimmy's room it's like Uh. like they make these little shots at like like the future of the Kardashian name. It's like, come on, we don't need that. And like, there was a whole scene where, where he's taking his kids to, to, to dinner or something. And, uh, and they're all talking at the table, like at a restaurant. And then he goes into this, like a speech about how important it is to, um, to honor truth and, and not be, it came down to the point. I don't remember the exact words, but it was like something to the effect of, um, you do, you, it's not honorable to be famous for being famous or something like that. It's like you, like it's, it's goofy. It's out of place. Um, yeah, but, but I mean a lot of the stuff like with those, with those issues, um, it's still a really, a really well done season of television that really dug deep into a, uh, an unbelievable, like cultural, thing in our in our history um that that was really really great and uh let's see uh courtney b vance was was johnny cochran i think he did a phenomenal job like there are so many really good performances um throughout it um uh sterling k brown played uh chris darden um one of the prosecutors that his his whole arc throughout it was really good and uh sarah paulson as marsha clark was was fantastic um awesome yep and then john travolta played robert shapiro i mean he did he did fine it was just it was a weird a weird performance it was 
I don't know. There was something about it that just made my skin crawl a little bit. And I think that was maybe intentional, but yeah, it was just, it was kind of weird. Interesting. Um, yeah. And then, and then finally last point about that is, uh, um, uh, Evan Handler played, uh, Alan Dershowitz and he was, he was really great. I love Evan Handler. Oh, he is phenomenal in it. Like he's barely recognizable. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's really great in it. Um, but yeah, and then I mentioned on the on the Facebook group, I asked what people thought of it, and uh, Fekus said, just finished it today, I loved it, though I still can't take David Schwimmer seriously, it's amazing how accurate it is, and it did a great job showing the cultural impact of this trial, but he did it, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I, I, I'm falling under that same, like it's... Most people consider yeah, it. He, yeah, yeah, there's no way, I mean... It's mind blowing how how much that trial should have been a slam dunk. Right. It's it is and that's one of the most fascinating things about the show is that it's it's all there. Like it's it's unbelievable. Um but yeah, so it was it was really good. One other thing about it is that and I had a similar thought when uh when we saw Straight Out of Compton. Mm-hmm. So the opening opening moments of this of this series of the show, um, like it opens up with a montage of the Rodney King beating and the L.A. riots, like quick cuts of footage of that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when seeing that, all I thought was like throughout that first episode, I was like, I I I kind of wish that they would have made that season one and then done OJ in season two, like oh, yeah. just have the Rodney King thing and the LA riots and everything be all season one. And I still wish that that was the case. Yeah. Um, they could do it in the future. Yeah, they can. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like I said, season two is going to be Katrina. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, okay. but yeah, I was very, very pleasantly surprised with the, the people versus OJ Simpson. And I recommend people check it out. Tiny. I think you would get a ton out of this. Oh, I'm sure I'd love it. Yeah. yeah. I, I can almost guarantee you would. Yeah. Um, because you are, uh, an unmitigated racist. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> no, no, no. You have, uh, criminal justice degree and right right you know uh page and i watched the uh the documentary series they did recently about oh, nice. it i don't even remember what it was called but oj yeah. made in america yes the whole thing we watched part i don't think we saw okay. the whole thing but we saw parts of it okay because um, i know it's like seven and a half hours long yeah or eight hours long yeah we saw parts of it it, it was interesting nice it was really interesting the espn documentary yes yes sure yeah um, i don't know we saw some documentary i don't sure. even know if that was it I, yeah. shit page watched it and i was just kind of joined in and i was like yeah it's actually pretty good so, okay yeah. nice yeah uh oj made in america is on hulu i i want to see it but i mean that it's like seven and a half hours right it's actually nominated for best documentary right i heard yeah. that yeah. yeah um so that is potpourri do you have anything else tiny no i think that's it all right well on that note if you like what you've heard and you want to support the podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the easier it will be for people to find the show in iTunes' search results. And if you want to show your support with your wallet, you can do that by clicking the donate button on obsessiveviewer.com for a one-time donation, or by clicking the donate link in the show notes of this episode. Those show notes, by the way, can be found at obsessiveviewer.com slash OV204. 
And uh, you can also become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer, where you can choose from several different reward tiers. Any and all donations made will help pay the fees to keep the podcast running so we can continue to provide you with our weekly podcast content. And uh, once again, thank you to Horror Movie Yearbook and the Midwest Midwest Podcast Network for sponsoring this week's episode. Find them at, at HM Yearbook and at horrormovieyearbook.com. Um, the links to all that can be found in the show notes. Um, all right. Well, on that note, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at ObsessiveViewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at ObsessiveViewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at ObsessiveViewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I Am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.